0: Hi, this is J.K. Van and Thanks so much for listening to Go Fact Yourself. This week, we've got our very first best of edition of the show. If you're like me, first of all, congratulations, but it also means that you really miss baseball. Well, since the 2020 baseball season still hasn't gotten started yet because of, well, you know, we decided to put together some of our favorite moments of Go Fact Yourself centered around America's pastime. If you like what you hear and you want to listen to the full episode, you can find them via the links in our show notes or in our archives at GoFactorPod.com. And by the way, if you like baseball, or if you like something called Star Trek, you're going to want to listen to our brand new episode recorded for a live audience before all this stuff happened, coming on May 1st with Walter Koenig from Star Trek versus his daughter, the comedian and writer, Danielle Koenig. It may have a baseball segment in it. It does. Batting first, it's voice actor Phil Lamar from our episode 2. He showed off his knowledge of Los Angeles Dodgers against podcaster and TV host Allie Ward. Now, let's play ball. Question number one for Phil. Phil, Dodgers legend Jackie Robinson's uniform number was retired across all of baseball in 1997. What number is it?
1: 42. Helen. Wow. That is correct. That is
0: correct. Number 42. Wow.
1: Uh, although if, if I hadn't gotten that one, that would have been double embarrassing. <laughs> that would have been bad.
0: Also, as a show for nerds, wouldn't everybody answer 42? Yeah, yeah. Uh, By the way, once a year on Jackie Robinson Day, all players wear the number 42, which is a nice tribute, but also very confusing. Yes. Yeah. All right, here we go. Question number two for Phil. The street leading up to Dodger Stadium was renamed in 2016 for what
1: Dodgers icon? Now, that's interesting, because I now live very close uh, to the stadium, so uh, this is a pretty easy question for me. That is... Vin Scully Drive. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> Although actually, you're you're lucky we didn't ask
0: what's the name of the street, because it's actually Vin Scully Avenue, but we did ask for the name of the person, so we're gonna oh. give it to you. Yes. Yes.
1: Avenue. Yes. Yeah. It should really be a boulevard. Oh, no. But, yeah, you know, yeah. the north-south thing. Right.
0: Uh, here we go, number three, Phil. Dodger Stadium was completed in time for the 1962 season, but the Dodgers moved from Brooklyn to Los Angeles in 1958. At what
1: venue did the Dodgers play their home games while Dodger Stadium was being built? Now, that is a good question, and not a lot of people know it, um, because there are multiple stadiums um, in L.A. prior to Dodger Stadium. I, in fact, actually have a uh, jacket that says L.A., Wrigley Field, because it really? was in fact a Wrigley Field in Los Angeles what? as part that's of the right. Pacific Coast League, mm-hmm. um, that was called Wrigley Field before the place in uh, Chicago. You're kidding! If only we had asked you about that, but you did ask me about this one, okay. and they played at the Coliseum. Helen,
0: that is correct.
2: That is correct. The Coliseum.
0: They had an exhibition game there against the Red Sox a few years ago, and man, that it's hard to imagine playing every game at that. Yeah, the way it's, that it it's shaped. the wrong shape. <laughs> yeah, it's the wrong shape. Uh, that's how I feel sometimes.
2: All right, Phil, here's number four. Family show. All right, Phil. What? Wait, what? I don't know. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'm very concerned. Yeah. Phil, one of the most famous moments in baseball history was Kirk Gibson's game-winning home run during the 1988 World Series. Allie remembers that, doesn't she? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Hot dogs. In which
0: game of the series did he hit that home run? That was uh, game one. Helen, is that correct? That
2: is correct. It is Whoa. correct. It was game wow.
3: one.
0: Wow.
1: Had to had to give it a little uh, drama. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping you were gonna ask for a hint because the
0: hint would have been it's a number between one and seven. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, good thing I didn't ask yeah. for
1: a hint. It and,
2: f- seemed dicey, but you actually yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah had you, had it. You, you made you it, it. Dramatic.
1: well I because it. I was thinking about this when Justin Turner hit the home run this year because people always refer to the Kirk Gibsons like it was game one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why is it such a big deal? Right. You know, it's like, oh my god, they
4: won a game! <laughs> right.
0: Well, a lot of people thought that would be the only game they won, and then once they had that momentum, there. Uh, fun fact, I was at that game. <gasps> what? I was at that game. No
3: way. Did you have any hot dogs?
0: I did, <laughs> Allie. Wow. Way to talk shop, huh? <laughs> Allie gets it. Yeah.
2: Was That's it a... was it a Dodger dog?
0: Alright, let's let's keep away with these advanced All right. metrics, you eggheads. <laughs> All right, uh, here's your last question. You're doing very well in this round. Here's number five for you, Phil Lamar. Okay. Several players who have spent time with the Dodgers have been elected to the Hall of Fame, but 1998 was the last time such a player was inducted wearing a Dodger's cap on his plaque. Who was it?
1: The last Dodger um, inducted into the Hall of Fame as a Dodger. As a Dodger. Well, we know was it wasn't Mike Piazza. Oh, <laughs> I know. I wanted him to go in as a Marlin. <laughs> Come on, no one's going in. I know Um, The person in 1998, Uh, I have to, I'm going to have to ask for a hint. All right, your first hint. Helen, what is the hint you can give to Phil?
2: He won over 300 games, and he's currently a broadcaster.
1: Thank God I asked for a hint. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, otherwise I was just going to try to pull some random position player uh, out of my... Uh, and now it's a belly. random pitcher, so we've cleaved uh, that in half. Well, no, because there are only so many uh, Dodger pitchers who've won over right. 300 games, right. and this one is, of course, Oral Hershiser. Is it Oral Hershiser, Helen? That
2: is not correct. Not right! Allie with a chance to steal! That is not what? correct. Ali, I think I can speak
1: for everyone here
0: when I say if you get this right, we will give you everything we own.
2: Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We might have to run around naked in this room. I'm very glad you asked. Uh, I happen to know this. What? What? (laughs) I know it's crazy. It's Bette Midler. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Wow.
0: It's Bette Midler. Helen
2: pulling that one out of the magical jersey.
0: Helen, is that correct? That is not oh, no, correct. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, no. The correct answer, very close, Allie, was Don Sutton. Don oh, of course. Don Sutton, 300 games. Uh, and boy, his Vegas show is
4: phenomenal. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Spectacular. The costume
0: changes alone. Uh, all right, Phil, you got four there, but now here is your expert level test that requires multiple answers. It's time for your cluster fact. You may know this right away. You may need to think on it. The correct answer is worth up to three points. I'm very frightened. All <laughs> right. Uh, The 2017 World Series is already being called a classic for many reasons, tying and breaking several records. For three points, I have three questions about this series. First, in game one, what Dodger tied a record by hitting a home run on the first pitch of the game? Second, in game six, what Dodger pinch hit, setting the franchise record by appearing in his 50th postseason game? And in game seven, what Dodger became only the second person in baseball history to pitch in all seven World Series games? You can answer in any
1: order or continue
0: Uh, to look horrified. Yes, or continue to look
1: uh, perplexed. Uh, No, I'm going to go with the first um, answer to the first question, first part of the question, um, simply because I know who the leadoff hitter is, and that's Chris Taylor. All right, Chris Taylor, we've noted that answer. Um, Can you repeat the second question? Yes, in game six, what Dodger pinch hit,
0: thereby setting the franchise record by appearing in his 50th postseason game?
1: Well, there's only one player on the what uh, was the current roster who's been around long enough to have been in 50 postseason games, so I'm going to have to say Andre Ethier. All right, that answer
0: is noted. And finally, in Game 7, what Dodger became only the second person in baseball history to pitch in all seven World Series games?
1: Um, I'm going to... Uh, did Kenley Jensen play in all seven? Uh, he, did, he did really overuse him, um, but I don't feel like it was him. Uh, so... Gosh, but I can't seem to think of...
2: Your agony is contagious.
1: Isn't it? it, it Isn't it? I'm feeling for you. Don't you all feel for me? (laughs) No, wait, don't we want him to get it right?
2: I am at the edge of my seat, and I don't even care about baseball.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why it's America's pastime. There you go. All right, Phil, we do need an answer. I will have to say, I'm going to go out on the limb and say Kenley Jansen.
0: Kenley Jansen. All right, we've noted those answers. Now, we have an expert on hand who can tell us the answers for sure. Helen, who do we have today?
2: Here with us tonight is the author of the book "100 Things Dodger Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die" and writer of the popular blog Dodger Thoughts. It's John Weissman. John Weissman, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> Hello, Mr. Weissman. Hello. Uh, now you and Phil know each other a bit. We, we do.
3: We know each other a bit. We have crossed paths mostly online. Yes, fr- but Infrequently in person. We've
1: we've gone to the, we went to the same high school. What? And if I'm not mistaken, we were actually at Dodger Stadium at the same time once.
3: Well, yes, I'm willing to bet on that one. (laughs) That's that's right. Well, if we need a John Weissman
0: expert, we've got Phil Lamar here. Exactly.
1: Uh, (laughs) And here's hoping he's going to bend the facts for
5: that
0: third question. We'll find out.
3: Uh, John, how did you get to be into the Dodgers? Uh, Similarly to Phil, I grew up here, and uh, as a kid, I was a fan of all kinds of things. And basically what happened is... As I got older and had kids and had less time for myself, everything else I was a fan of got pushed aside, and I was allowed to be a fan of one thing. <laughs> oh. And the one thing you chose and was? I chose the Dodgers.
0: Okay, that says a lot, absolutely. Now, you, you wrote this book called 100 Things Dodger Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Uh, what are some examples
3: of the things that uh, they should know and do? Well, the know things start with uh, Jackie Robinson and Vince Sculling, Sir so you work your way down. There's, the assignment was to come up with 100 of these things, mm-hmm. Obviously, so by the time you get into the 90s, uh, it get the pickings get a little slim. But for example, going to Philippe's before a game—that hmm. was one of the uh, right. things to do. Even
2: I've done that.
3: And uh, I actually published uh, my secret traffic, routes to beat the traffic to Dodger Ooh. Stadium. <gasps> oh, that's that was really the biggest selling point for the book. Oh, it's right. in there as well. And have you, have, you, uh, have you been updating the book in light of recent events? There was an update. Uh, I have to tell you, if they had won game seven, that actually took money out of my pocket because they were going to do a, rev- a revised edition if we had won the World oh. Series oh,
0: this year. The real victim, John White. <laughs> uh, well, one of the reasons that you're here today is because you are the expert and we want to give answers to the big question that we asked Phil. Let's remind everyone what the questions were. Uh, First, we asked in game one of the 2017 World Series, what Dodger tied a record by hitting a home run on the first pitch of the game? Helen, remind everyone of Phil's answer.
2: Phil said Chris Taylor.
0: And what is the answer, John? The answer is also Chris Taylor. That's correct. One point for Phil. Nice. We then asked him in game six what Dodger pinch hit, setting the franchise record by appearing in his 50th postseason game. Helen, what did Phil say?
2: Andre Ethier.
0: And John? Andre Ethier. You got
2: that correct as well.
0: And finally, we asked him in game seven, what Dodger became only the second person in baseball history to pitch in all seven World Series games? Helen, what did Phil say? Phil said it was
2: Kenley Jensen. And John?
3: There was really good logic in that answer.
0: That doesn't but, sound like a point.
3: <laughs> unfortunately for Phil, the answer was Brandon Morrow. Brandon
0: Morrow. So sorry. John, where can people find out more about what you do and uh, learn more about how you feel about the Dodgers?
3: Um, my website is dodgerthoughts.com, and I'm on Twitter at J-O-N-W-E-I-S-M-A-N. John
0: Weissman, ladies and gentlemen, thanks Yay. so much.
3: You know, baseball's 2020
0: season is in question because of the pandemic we're in the middle of. And this isn't the first time we weren't sure we'd get a season. In 1942, the baseball commissioner strongly considered canceling the entire season because of World War II. Turns out actor Fred Willard knows a lot about this era of the sport. Here he is in episode 13 showing off his knowledge of World War II-era baseball against fellow actor Andrea Savage. Fred, here's question number one about World War II-era baseball historians, and Wikipedia say that World War II lasted from September of 1939 until September of 1945. During that time, which team won the most World Series? New York Yankees. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It was the Yankees. They won three, the Cardinals won two, and the Reds won one. Very good. Here is question number two. What future Hall of Fame pitcher for the Cleveland Indians became the first active player to enlist? Bob Feller. Oh, Okay. (laughs)
6: Couldn't he even... He, he He went, he signed up, I mean, I think the day after uh, Pearl December Harbor. 7. Yeah. That's right. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course.
2: <laughs> Couldn't even get the question out.
0: No. I'm sorry, Andrew, he didn't give you a chance to that mean, one. I
2: mean, I was she just She was waiting. about to
6: say it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bob Miller. Yeah. That's right. From Cedar, R- Cedar Rapids, yeah. viable,
2: of right? Iowa. Of yeah. Iowa. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. yes.
0: Uh, fun fact, after the war, he rejoined the Indians where he remained for the rest of his career. Also, I have been to his hometown museum in Van Meter, Iowa. Well, isn't it an interesting place? It's I fantastic. went there once too. Yeah. It,
6: and it's down in the basement, and I went down and I said there was nobody. I could have picked up a baseball and put it in my shirt. But they've since built an actual museum, a more formal museum. Yeah, no, because I tried, and they would not let me. Uh,
2: (laughs) I love that you were tempted to, Fred.
6: (laughs) It was just a thought. Just
0: a thought. All right, we all have thoughts. Thoughts are not bad. All right, you're two for two, Fred. Here's question number three. In 1940, he received the award for American League Most Valuable Player. In 1941, he received his draft call, and after being honorably discharged in 1942, he re-enlisted. Then, in June of 1945, he became the first major league player to return to baseball after serving in the war. And in October of the same year, Hank Greenberg helped his Tigers win the World Series.
6: <laughs> Helen, is it Hank Greenberg? It
2: is Hank, it Greenberg. Is Hank Greenberg! Amazing! incredible.
6: He was. Interesting fact, he, he, there was a draft before the war. That's right. And he was drafted for one year. They, they let him out, I think, on December 6th. And the next day, uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed. And they, they pulled him right back in. What
2: a hero. Yeah,
6: what a story. I mean, to be that good at baseball. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: He was a hero. I feel and,
2: like and, they th- just don't make fellas the way they used yeah. to make fellas. And
0: also Jewish. Big hero for the Jewish community. That's right, because he San refused to play, Greece. I think, on, on one yeah. of the high holidays. Yes he did. All right, thank you. That part Andrea. I do
7: know. Yes he did.
0: That's right. Bagel and Bialy. and you know. Bialy.
6: Don't He's give her an a point for the I will, I will not. I will not. I will not. That's a steal. <laughs> All
0: right. Here's question number 4. I have a feeling you know something about this. Because of the war, there was talk of canceling the 1942 baseball season. The talk was quashed when President Roosevelt sent what's been called the green light letter saying he thought it was best for baseball to continue to the Commissioner of Baseball. Who was that commissioner? Oh boy. You certainly know the story. You mentioned that earlier in conversation, but who was the commissioner? commissioner?
6: You do have a hint available. Yes,
0: you do have two hints available if you'd like to use one.
6: Uh, I'm gonna, what if I make a guess and it's wrong? Helen, how about that hint?
2: <laughs> Here's the hint, Fred. He was named after a rich... Kennesaw
6: Mountain Landis. Helen?
2: That is correct. That is
6: correct. <laughs> wow!
2: See? You wanted the hints. Yeah. The hints helped. Yep. I didn't not even get, like, three words of a hint That's out. That's right.
6: Nope. Oh. I just couldn't think of his name.
0: That's all right. But, but wow. there were And of all of the baseball commissioners who were named after Ridges, you picked the right one.
2: Kennesaw Mountain Kennesaw Landis. Kennesaw Mountain Landis. So his mom would be like, Kennesaw Mountain, get your butt in here. Exactly. That's crazy. I'm afraid
0: you're four for four. Let's see if you can go for the sweep with question number five. With America's entry into World War II, several Major League Baseball executives started a new professional league for women players in order to maintain baseball in the public eye. Most of these teams were in the Midwest. Name two of the cities that had professional women's baseball teams during World War II.
6: You got me there. Okay,
2: you You do have a
6: hint available if you like. Let me have a hint. Let's have that hint.
2: Two of the seven cities have Major League Baseball teams today.
6: Let's say Chicago and um, St. Louis. Helen?
0: That is not correct. Not correct. I'm sorry, Fred. It is a tricky question. Andrea, with a chance to steal, <laughs> dig into the limitless knowledge that you have about <laughs> World War II era baseball.
2: I'm just trying to think of League of Their Own. That actually um, is a good
0: way to go to think of it.
2: Uh, Midwest. Uh, oh, I don't know. Two Indianapolis?
0: Cities. And?
2: I don't. Know.
0: You know the flyover cities. Just yeah. pick one. Yeah.
2: Uh, s- somewhere in Iowa.
0: Mm, we do need a little more specific.
2: <laughs> Cedar Rapids, where oh. that cool person earlier was from.
0: That's right. All right. We got Cedar Rapids and Indianapolis. Was it? Helen, is that correct? Also not correct. Not wow. correct. No, this was yeah. tricky. People who saw League of Their Own, of course, might remember the Rockford peaches. Also, the Racine Bells, and then the other ones were Kenosha Comets, the South Bend Blue Sox, the Milwaukee Chicks, the Minneapolis Millerettes, and the Fort Wayne Daisies. Fort Wayne, not Indianapolis. Very, oh, very close. Yeah, she did see, yeah, she did Indianapolis. see Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fun fact, Minneapolis is the only city of those that already had a professional men's team. They had a AAA minor league team. The Major League Twins did not start playing there until 1961. All right, these here we
2: name, go. By the way, I just yeah. want to take a moment to say these names are ridiculous.
0: <laughs> Which one do <laughs> the, you object the to? The
2: Milwaukee Chicks. <laughs> the, the Rockford Peaches and the Racine Bells I mean, really?
0: Yeah, I don't. Know. I think it would be. I think it would be hard to, to seriously root for a team called the Daisies. Yeah, Go yeah. Daisies. But the Comets are pretty. That's pretty badass. Comets ass. is yeah, pretty Comets cool. Well, yeah. Memphis
6: had a minor league baseball right. team called the, the chicks, chicks. That's so right. It wasn't a racist uh, right. thing. That's where, really? Bo, that's where Bo Jackson first started playing. Oh, I was Memphis. I, well, yeah, Bob, yeah. It's very big, yeah. Well, Thank so
2: it. the men were playing as chicks. It was
6: Memphis chicks. It was I a different was
0: time. Things were crazy. Uh, Fred, you've done very well in that category, but oh now here is your expert level question that requires multiple oh answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Ooh. Love it. <laughs> this question is so high level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Your answer is worth up to three points. Fred, 36 members of the National Baseball Hall of Fame also served in World War II. Name them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Fred, 36 members of the National Baseball Hall of Fame also served in World War II. Of those 36, only three did so as members of the Marines. One was a pitcher, one was an outfielder, and one was an executive. For up to three points, name those three Baseball Hall of Famers who served as Marines in World War II.
6: I'd say one of them was Hank Bauer. Oh, and was
0: Breck. Hank Bauer, uh, what position did he play? An outfielder. He was an outfielder, okay, Yankees. so we're still looking for a pitcher and an executive.
6: Pitcher. Or you could double up on outfielders if you want to uh, guess that way. Marines. Oh. I'll just guess Branch Rickey. Okay. and uh, I, I can't even think of a Marines, that's a good question. That's Thank you. That's a tough outfit to be <laughs> yeah. in. Uh, a pitcher mm-hmm. who served in the Marines. I, mm-hmm. I give up. No, right. okay. Sorry.
0: That's all right. Hank yes. Bauer and Branch Ricky. I- all right. Well, Helen has noted your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Oh. Helen, who do we have tonight?
2: Here with us tonight, we have the co-director for the Institute for Baseball Studies at Whittier College, Dr. Joe Price.
0: Dr. Joe Price, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Welcome, Dr. Price. Welcome, Dr. Price. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Now you're a doctor. Are you a doctor of baseballology?
8: I wish. Oh, that would I'm be o- so awesome. I'm only a ba- uh, doctor of theology. Oh, oh, but there's a lot of theology in baseball. Oh yes, I yeah. write about uh, the religious significance of baseball. Interesting. Interesting. Do a yes. lot? Do a lot of people find religion in baseball? Well, uh, uh, Annie Savoy did in Bull Durham. <laughs> well, she did. She did believe. She said. She said, "I believe in the Church of Baseball." First line of the film. Are very is there good. a lot
2: of religiosity in the in the little ticks and, and hand signals? The superstitions
8: that, yeah. are wonderful.
2: Yeah. Because that's a, as, as a non-huge baseball fan, I always find that really funny when someone's tugging their ear three times before they throw a ball. Or.
8: The best of the superstition stories, though, is probably that of Minnie Minoso, uh, who was playing for the White Sox back in the 1960s. And at one point, he went 0 for 5 during the game. He had struck out several times. He was so mad, he went into the shower fully clothed. And the next day, he went out and had multiple hits with <gasps> RBIs. And so after the game, several of his teammates then went into the shower fully clothed.
0: Wow. <laughs> uh, and now tell us about the Institute for Baseball Studies at Whittier College.
8: We are an organization that provides resources and programs for the study of the significance of baseball in American culture. We're less interested in statistical performance than in the stories and how people respond to baseball, and we provide a number of opportunities for students and the public to get together to learn about baseball and its importance. Um, Let me give you an example. A year ago, we had a symposium on women in baseball. And as part of that, we had a historian talk about women playing baseball in the 19th century. Vassar College had a team there. I would have guessed it was Vassar. Yeah. (laughs) And we also had two of the former uh, AAGPPL Yes, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League players uh, come and speak to the students about their experience, two of those on whom uh, part of a league of their own was based. Interesting. Uh, Maybelle Blair, a pitcher, and Shirley (gasps) Berkovich. Interesting.
0: Neato. All right, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here tonight as far as our game goes. uh, You heard the question that we asked Fred about the 36 members of the Baseball Hall of Fame who also served in World War II. We wanted to know from Fred, of those 36, who were the three that were in the Marines? One was a pitcher, one was an outfielder, and one was an executive. Helen, let's remind everyone of the answers that uh, Fred gave us. For outfielder, he said? Hank Bauer. And
8: Dr. Price? Hank Bauer was not him. No, who was that outfielder? It was Ted Williams, who also served in the Korean War, and he was the only of the uh, World War II vets who also served in Korea.
0: All right, so no point on that. Helen, who did Fred say was the executive who had served in the Marines
8: and also was in the National Baseball Hall of Fame?
2: Fred said Branch Rickey.
8: Dr. Price? No, it was not Rickey, even though he was probably the most well-known of the executives since then. Mm History has treated him well for the signing of Jackie Robinson and for the building of minor league system a decade earlier for the Cardinals, which Mm -hmm. is why they won two of the World Series (laughs) there during the war era.
0: Mm -hmm. So the correct answer, though, was?
8: The correct answer for the uh, executive, executive yes. was Bill Veck.
0: Uh, Bill Veck, oh. who, a lot of, who a lot of younger listeners might know as uh, the executive for the White Sox, who instituted a lot of crazy promotions and put the exploding scoreboard in Comiskey and all that.
8: Indeed. And it was during uh, his World War II experience that he lost his leg. So hmm. that was part of his... Uh, his experience in in the war.
0: And finally, we asked for the pitcher who also had served in the Marines and in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Fred was not able to come up with that one. This one, I think, was one of the more obscure of the answers. He is. And
8: There's still debates about whether or not he should be in the Hall of Fame. Ted Lyons of the Chicago White Sox won 260 and lost 230. Hardly (laughs) an exemplary record Mm -hmm. in these days that would qualify for uh, basically... uh, installment uh, honoring in mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame, but uh, he also then managed three years for the White Sox and uh, completed an even less stellar record with an <laughs> under 500 winning percentage. Do you think his
0: service in the Marines helped uh, uh, burnish his credentials to, to get into the Hall? It must have. Uh, <laughs> wow. They, they, they Taking must... him down. Yes. Shots fired at Ted Lyons again on this show. There's certainly a lot of stories to be found at the Institute for Baseball Studies. Where can people find you and find the Institute if they're interested in learning more?
8: Uh, We're on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. Uh, Just look for the Institute for Baseball Studies and uh, we'll pop up.
0: Excellent. We're happy that you popped up here. Dr. Joe Price. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Price. We've got more of our Best of Baseball episode on Go Fact Yourself right after this word from our friends at Maximum Fun.
9: Hi, I'm Dave Hill, from before. And I'm very excited to bring Dave Hill's podcasting incident back to Maximum Fun, where it belongs. You can get brand new episodes every Friday on MaximumFun.org, or, you know, wherever. And while my partner Chris Gersbeck and I might lack in specific subject matter on our podcast, we make up for in special effects. Chris, add something cool right here. Also, we have Explosions. Animal noises, and sometimes even this. Dave Hill's podcasting incident every Friday on Maximum Fun. Chris, do another explosion
0: right here. Welcome back to the Best of Baseball episode of Go Factor Self. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Let's get right back into the lineup with episode 14. Actor and New York native John Ross Bowie geeked out about his 1986 New York Mets against comedian and Max Fun podcaster Jackie Cation. All right, here we go. Here is question number one for John Ross Bowie about the 1986 Mets. Where did the 1986 Mets play their home games? Shea Stadium. Helen?
2: That is correct. That is
0: correct. We are on the board. Ding! They should all go this well. Number two, who is the only member of the 1986 Mets who has been elected to Baseball's Hall of Fame? Baseball's Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Not is the you... Football Hall of Fame? No, no, yeah. sure. Yeah, good, good call. Yeah.
10: Uh, uh, leave it to the Mets to put a player in the Football <laughs> Hall of Fame, though. If any, if any MLB team was going to pull <laughs> yeah. off that stunt. <laughs> yeah. It took um, a wrong turn, ended up in Canton. And <laughs> it's probably not the case, but I'll, I'll say Daryl Strawberry. Helen?
2: That is not
0: correct. Not correct.
10: Mm -hmm. Jackie with a chance to steal. Pete Rose. Was it Pete Rose?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was not Pete Rose. There that's are so many point. reasons it's not Pete Rose.
0: There's a few reasons why it's yeah, not exactly. Darrell too. But <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> you might be right. No, actually, it was someone you mentioned already. It was, it was Gary not, Carter. It was, it was Gary, Gary Carter. Carter's no, that's good for him. Yeah. Okay, glad to hear that. <laughs> All right, here's question number three. Let's see if you can bounce back with this. The 1986 Mets won more regular season games than any other team in the 1980s. How many regular season games did they win? Can we do prices right? Closest without going over. No, but you know okay. it's available if you'd like. I'll to I'll take use a hand. Helen, how about that hint?
2: Their winning percentage was 667.
10: So just over the number of the beast.
0: <laughs> correct. If, if you round up, yes.
10: Right, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 112. Helen.
0: That is not correct. Not correct. Jackie no. with a chance
10: to steal. 132.
0: Helen? Also not correct. No, that would be a record. Uh, it was 108. Oh, all right, was, okay. So okay. close, though. Fun fact, uh, that was the most since the Reds in 1975 also won 108. Was the, the 75 Reds, is Pete Rose on that team? I believe he is. Yeah, oh wow, look at
10: that. <laughs> full circle. It all
0: comes full circle. Look at that. Question number four. Which slugger and two-time World Series champion who once hit 50 home runs and won an MVP was released by the Mets in August of 1986? Oh, wow. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use it. I'll take this one, yeah. Helen, how about that second hint?
2: He hit 52 home runs and won the MVP for the Reds in 1977.
10: I will uh, say Lenny Dykstra.
2: Was it Lenny Dykstra? It was not Not Lenny Dykstra.
0: Jackie with a chance to steal. I have a feeling I know your answer.
2: Pete Rose was it Pete Rose (laughs) it was was not not Pete Rose not Pete Rose no it was was George
1: Foster uh, George Foster Foster. 50 home runs and was
0: MVP and was on the Mets for for much of the season All right, here finally is number 5 the 1986 Mets as we've mentioned were known for being a wild team both on and off the field what nickname was given to the particularly rowdy trio of Danny Heap Jesse Orozco and Doug Sisk who encouraged heavy partying on team flights
10: I believe they were called the Scum Bunch Helen
2: that is correct that is correct wow
0: Whoever thought that would help you win something? Pulled it around, huh? Pulled it around the last minute there. John, now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact.
2: Ooh. <clears throat> oh, you guys are so well-trained. Yeah, I really like nice it. Nice
0: work. I like Appreciate it. Appreciate you. All right, this biscuit. question... biscuits. biscuit. Exactly. Biscuit. <laughs> this question is so high-level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The answer is worth up to three points. With a shocking comeback by the Mets facing elimination, game six of the 1986 World Series has been called one of the greatest games in baseball history, spawning several books and movies. Most people remember the pivotal play where Mookie Wilson hit the ball down the line that Bill Buckner could not properly field. But we want to know what you know about the Mets pitching that game. So for up to three points, which Mets pitcher got the win, which Mets pitcher was the only one to appear and not give up a run, and who was the Mets' starting pitcher...
10: Oh, God. Um, I'm going to throw Lenny in there again, um, which is adorable for the first one. The outfielder, Lenny Dykstra? Yeah, that's all right. Who that's you thought had idea. been cut from the team? Fair enough. Stopped I knew he win. hadn't been cut from the team. I just okay. threw a name out there, okay? Even oh. the people outside are laughing at that answer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think Doc started the game. That was the starting pitcher. So you think Doc Gooden started it? I think Doc Gooden started it. Doc Gooden. Who, who came in and did not give up a run? Let's go
10: with Daryl for that one. Okay. And, uh, the, um, and then the...
0: I, I believe you've answered them all at this point, okay, by the right, way. Right, I mean, I'm you're right. welcome to change your answers. No, I'm good. I'm I believe good. that you said that uh, the win was... Uh, Lenny was Dykstra. By Lenny Dykstra. And then Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> Daryl Strawberry came in and didn't give up a run, which would be especially impressive.
2: And then Doc Gooden. And that
0: Doc Gooden was the starting pitcher. Helen has taken note of those answers. We have an expert on him who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have with us tonight?
2: Here with us tonight via Skype, we have the host of the podcast, Bobby O's Change of Pace, and a member of the world champion 1986 New York Mets, it's Bobby Ojeda. Mr. Ojeda, are you there?
10: Hello, Bobby Ojeda. Mr. Ojeda, I owe you a massive <laughs> apology.
9: Don, <laughs> listen, sometimes it's not the years, it's the mileage. I don't remember who started. I had to look it up. <laughs> you didn't have to say that,
10: man, but I
0: really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, every kid who, who, who plays baseball dreams of being in the World Series and winning it. How did that compare to actually winning the World
9: Series? Surreal. Surreal is probably the best way to put it, because like you said, every little kid dreams of it. And you're, You know, you grow up playing Little League. I used to sleep in my uniform. And then to reach the pinnacle of the big leagues is like that blows you away. And looking at all those awesome Met fans and this big old gnarly stadium ready to fall down, it was phenomenal. It was just surreal. And then the parade down the, the canyon of heroes was over the top.
0: What did you do with your World Series ring?
9: I actually gave it to my father Aww. to wear because I felt he, uh, he earned it. And uh, wow. then uh, I took it back.
4: Oh, OK. <laughs> From my to cold,
9: to dead hands.
2: Yes. You gave it to him for like a day? Yeah. No,
9: no, no. He had it for some years, yeah. and then I said, well, hey, Dad, you know, I kind of like to wear that.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, well, he
9: graciously gave it back to me.
0: We mentioned in our, in our chat with John uh, and in one of the questions that the Mets had a reputation for being wild partiers, but but you say a lot of that is, is, is myth and overblown.
9: Um, yeah, a lot of it, it you know, you it's a lot, I, I can't lie. A lot of it is.
0: <laughs> I well, I mean, you,
9: you were arrested in a but, bar. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was weird, we were arrested in a bar, a bar fight. We we're in thousands of bars and fights, but yeah, no, we got locked up. Was that the, in, was that the Houston arrest? Yeah, and and uh, actually, uh, you know, as that year would work out, we played those guys to yeah. get to the World right, Series. Yeah, that was the playoffs, right. And, I know you, you you were absolutely right on the scum bunch in the back of the plane those are friends of mine and I and that they love that moniker When <laughs> uh, we in got locked up uh, they called us pond scum so something about scum and that team went together
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> well if you got if you got a brand stick with it I guess um, well let's get to the reason that we brought you here tonight as far as our game goes you heard the question that we asked to John and the answers that he gave let's remind everyone uh, Helen uh, first we asked in the 1986 World Series Game 6 which match pitcher got the win Helen what did John Ross Bowie say John said Lenny Dykstra no. I can't believe I have to ask that but is that correct Mr. Ojeda? No, no. no, that's, <laughs> no. who got the win?
9: Uh, actually, Rick Aguilera got the win. He didn't throw so great, but he, he really uh, it was a great guy, and he was looking. He was so depressed when we were losing, and it looked like we were going to lose that thing. He wound up getting the W.
0: Wow, that's wow. amazing. Then we asked him which was the only Mets pitcher to appear and not give up a run. Helen, what did John say? John said Daryl Strawberry. Did outfielder Daryl Strawberry appear and not give up a run? <laughs>
9: I apologize. He did, <laughs> but not on the mound. And he, he didn't give up a run, so you're sort of right, John. But that pitcher would have been Jesse Orozco.
0: Jesse Orozco, the Mets closer who they brought in early. Yeah, I guess technically Daryl Strawberry didn't give up a run, but then again, neither did I. So, yeah. Uh, and then finally, we asked him who was the Mets I had an immaculate ERA that day. Yeah, game. that was great. You were, that will never be beaten. Uh, finally, uh, we asked John who was the Mets starting pitcher in that game. Helen, who did John say?
2: John said Doc
9: Gooden.
0: And Mr. Ojeda, what is the correct answer?
9: Well, that would be me, John. Okay. That would be me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Biggest game of my life, but that's all right. So, give it. Give it uh,
10: Bobby, I, I want to let the record show that I have. Uh, I'm going to pursue a career in the arts.
0: <laughs> uh, John, while we have Mr. Ojeda on the on the line here, anything you'd like to ask him or tell him? Will you
10: ever forgive me?
9: <laughs> uh, already forgiven, John. Absolutely, no need to forgive you. My goodness, it's cool. You're from New York. It's you from hell's kitchen and uh yeah i love the city i love it and it was electric and you were part of that and i'm not just saying that because i'm blowing smoke i'm saying that because it was real if i can date myself if you remember disneyland they gave you the coupons to go on the rides and the e-ticket was for the matterhorn and all the really cool rides well that's what we were we were an e-ticket
0: Absolutely. absolutely. All right, and Bobby Ojeda, people want to find you. Where can they uh, go listen to your podcast or find out uh, more about your work?
9: You know, Bobby O's Change of Pace or BobbyO.com, and you'll find it. And uh, my daughter does an excellent job of directing the traffic to where it needs to go to hear the podcast.
0: Excellent. Well, we're certainly happy that you joined us here. World champion, Bobby Ojeda, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Thank you. The Boston Red Sox are in a bit of trouble at the moment. It's been revealed that they may have been one of the teams stealing pitching signs on their way to winning the 2018 World Series. But before that was revealed, actor and director Sandeep Parikh competed against fellow actor and director Leah Thompson to show off his love of the Red Sox pre-scandal. Here's your first question about the Red Sox, Sandeep. For a long time, the Red Sox were said to have been cursed because they didn't win a championship after they traded what iconic player to the Yankees?
7: Babe Ruth. Ellen? That is correct. That
0: is correct. (gasps) Yes. They call it the curse of the Bambino after the Bambino Babe Ruth. Here's question number two. The 2004 Red Sox broke that alleged curse and are the only team in baseball history to be down three games to zero and come back and win a postseason series four games to three. This wouldn't have happened unless a pinch runner stole second base in game four of that series. Who was that base stealer and what is his current job in
7: Major League Baseball? Dave Roberts and he's the Angels Oh, I'm sorry, the Dodgers manager. Well, I almost blew it. Ellen?
0: That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. You almost blew it. <laughs> oh, boy.
7: Oh boy. Yes.
2: Almost blew it, but you pulled
7: it back. You pulled no, it back. Yeah. We would love if you just were like Dave, of the R- d- Just like they did down 3 0, the Red Sox. I pulled
0: it back. All right, you're two for two, Sunday. Here's question number three. The Red Sox, of course, play in Fenway Park, which has yeah. some unique quirks. One, of course, is a large wall in left field called the Green Monster. Another is an object that is located 302 feet down the right field line, closer than any similar object in Major League Baseball. What is the nickname of this feature?
7: That's one pesky poll. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, the pesky poll.
0: <laughs> it is the foul poll. It was named for Johnny Pesky, a player, manager, coach, and broadcaster who was nicknamed Mr. Red Sox. Question number four One of the greatest Red Sox players of all time is number eight, Carl Yastrzemski, oh, whose no. nickname was Yaz. What is the correct spelling of Yastrzemski? Oh,
7: come on. <laughs> And then I'm an Indian guy, so i got to get the spelling B part right. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of added pressure here. I have no clue. You do clue. have a hint available
0: if you'd like to use the hint.
7: <laughs> yeah. Uh, give me the hint on how to spell
2: it,
0: please. Helen, how about that first hint?
2: <laughs> Though his nickname is Yaz, spelled Y-A-Z, that is not how his last name starts. Oh.
7: I didn't even know that. That's how bad of a speller What's <laughs> Well, that's a good hint, then, Helen. Y- huh? It's a very good so hint. So it's Yastramski. not Y-A-Z. Y-A-S. Yes. Stramski. T. Can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> yes.
0: Please spell stremski.
7: <laughs> Y-S-T-R-E-M-S-K-I. Helen? That is incorrect.
2: Incorrect.
7: <laughs> Leah with a chance to steal.
2: J-A-S-T-R-I-M-S-K-I.
0: I. She took the Indiana
7: Jones route. <laughs> it's, it's Helen? Not thing. correct. No, not correct. Uh,
0: Sandeep, yes. you actually were pretty close. Jehovah
7: spelled with an I.
0: It is I S T R, but then there's a Z. E-M-S-K-I. Oh, I knew there was S-K-I. something weird. Yeah, yeah. Stremsky, no Z. point there. Yes.
7: So there is a Z. You
0: were actually
2: totally close. You were
0: very close. You just missed that Z. Uh, fun fact, Yastremsky's name is on the signature bat that is swung by Shelley Duvall in The Shining.
7: Oh, what?
2: That is a fun fact.
7: Yes, that's I was I what? tried.
2: You know when she's like,
7: stay away from me. Yeah. That yeah. one? I'm glad you didn't ask me that as a <laughs> trivia <tribute> question. <laughs>
0: Alright, let's see if you can bounce back with number five. Of the many great players to play for the Red Sox, only ten of them have had their uniform number retired by the team, meaning no other Red Sox player will ever wear that number. Name all ten. Shut no, I'm up. just kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> on May 29, 1984, the first two of those numbers were retired. One was number nine for Ted Williams. <sighs> That's why I knew. What was the other number retired that day?
7: Come on, man. As you keep reading, you keep giving away facts. The parts that I know, and then you get to the part that I don't know. Uh, You
0: do have a hint available if you'd like to use that second hint.
7: Oh, yeah. I'll use that second hint. Yeah. Helen, how about that second hint?
2: It was the number of Hall of Famer
7: Joe Cronin. Oh, I don't know that.
0: (laughs) Another hint it's a number between 1 and 99.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, it so wasn't Jackie Robinson. Okay, Um, let's go with six.
0: Helen?
2: It was not six. Not six. Leah with a chance to
7: steal. Fourteen. Helen? Not
0: 14. Oh, I thought you were going to get it. No, it was number four. He wore number four. Oh, uh, fun fact, the Red Sox have actually retired 11 numbers in total, including one for, as you started to mention, Jackie Robinson, who never played for the team, but right. whose numbers retired all around baseball. Uh, all right, uh, Sandeep, you did pretty well in that, but here now is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact.
2: Oh. No. Oh, see. Good audience. You guys are A+ They really are. I
0: love it. Your <laughs> uh, question is so high-level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The answer is worth up to three points. Here we go. Red Sox players have had some amazing accomplishments over the years, and we want to ask you about some of their amazing double accomplishments. So for up to three points, who is the only Red Sox player to win MVP and Cy Young Award in the same year? Who was the only Red Sox to win MVP and Rookie of the Year in the same year? And who was the only Red Sox player to be on the championship teams of both 2013 and 2018?
7: MVP and a Cy Young. I don't think he did, but I'm going to just guess Pedro Martinez.
0: Pedro Martinez, all right. And then who won MVP and Rookie of the Year in the same year?
7: Um, I'll say Teddy Williams.
0: Teddy Williams, all right. And then who was the only Red Sox player to be on the championship teams in both 2013 and 2018? Someone who you saw in person mere weeks ago.
7: Who's an old person on that team? Oh God, I'm blanking. This, this is hard when people are watching you and you guys, I can feel your eyes. Oh, oh, Xander Bogarts.
0: Xander Bogarts is his answer. All right, (sighs) Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have today? Scary.
2: Here with us tonight via phone from Boston, Massachusetts, is the award-winning columnist for the Boston Globe who has written 12 books, six of them about the Boston Red Sox. It's Dan Shaughnessy. Dan
0: Shaughnessy. Are you there,
11: Mr. Shaughnessy? I am there. How are you?
0: Very well. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Sandeep is uh, smiling uh, very excitedly. I think we have both watched many documentaries where you have been the expert on the Red Sox. On those,
7: totally. Oh my God, I've read like all your articles, and I'm a fan of you.
11: Well, you're in New Hampshire. <laughs> we, you're a New Hampshire guy. We appreciate your loyalty up there in New Hampshire.
0: <laughs> very good. I know you're on a bit of a tight time limit. You're actually on your way to another interview right now, right?
11: Yeah, we're doing some sports up here. I always got a lot going on with the teams here because they always win.
0: Oh, oh yeah, fired. Although, well, L.A. really doesn't have any answer to that, do we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, Helen mentioned in the intro that you were award-winning. One of those awards is the J.G. Spink Award from the Baseball Hall of Fame. What was it like to win that?
11: Yeah, that was very intimidating because you have to give a speech in front of all the Hall of Famers. So it's, it's, it's tough to be up there when Willie Mays and Sandy Koufax are on the side because... We're not used to talking to guys like that. Don't really want to hear from the writers, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: yeah. Was there anyone you've had to confront who you've been critical of in columns?
11: Oh, actually, yeah. Half the guys you're talking about tonight. Um, <laughs> so that, that's an that's a occupational hazard. No harm, no foul, and, and we're used to it. No big deal. Yeah.
0: Now, you're from Massachusetts. You went to college in Massachusetts. What was it like uh, for you to cover the Red Sox for, for the first time?
11: Yeah, it was uh, it, it, very intimidating starting off in Ustremski, And you did a good job spelling that the silent Z is the only thing you missed there. It's, it's, it's right there. But, uh, you know, he was my idol when I was a little kid growing up. And then to, to cover games that he has is still playing because he played until he was 43. He played 23 seasons with the Sox. So, you know, coming into contact with guys that were your idols when you were a little kid. That's kind of a wide-eye experience, but I'm too old to worry about that now.
0: <laughs> All right, now uh, let's get to the reason that we brought you here tonight. As far as our game goes, you heard the questions that we asked of Sandeep about the Red Sox. Uh, first, we wanted to know who the only Red Sox player was to win MVP and Cy Young in the same year. Helen, what did
11: Sandeep say?
2: Sandeep said Pedro Martinez.
11: And Dan? Yeah, he was wrong on that and He kind of let me down because he knows about Roger Clemens. In 1986, Clemens was 24-4. and He was MVP. And Cy Young. Maybe you're a little young for that, but uh, it was a seismic assembly year in his career.
7: I was six, okay? <laughs> Sorry. The Celtics <laughs> were in the championship, and, oh, God, it was very, it was a very yeah. confusing time for me. Yeah, he also gave the
0: same response when he failed history class, though, too, so there you go. Uh, second, we wanted to know who was the only Red Sox player to win MVP and Rookie of the Year in the same year. Helen, what did Sandeep say?
2: Sandeep said Teddy Williams.
11: And Mr. Shaughnessy? Yeah, that's a nice try. I don't know if the award existed when Ted broke in in 39, but... Uh, Fred Lynn, 1975, a good USC athlete, came up and was MVP and Rookie of the Year in 75. I wouldn't expect Sundeep to know that. It was before he was born. Uh, but I, that's when I got out of college, and, and he, was, uh, he was a big deal to us back then. And he still lives out in Southern California, so he looks great. And, and you'd, you'd, uh, you'd enjoy talking with him if you get a chance. Uh, all right, and then finally, we wanted to know from Sandeep who was the only
4: Red
0: Sox player to be on the championship teams of both 2013 and 2018. Helen, what did
11: Sandeep say?
2: Sandeep said Xander Bogarts.
11: And Dan, Sandeep is right about that. Yeah, one. yeah he, point he for really did a name. good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did took a good me an job hour pulling that out. Yeah, you pulled that out because I know you were at the games. I was at those games, the 18-inning game, seven hours and 20 minutes. I was out there at Dodger Stadium all those good Sox fans out there. And, and, yeah, Bogarts, he had a cup of coffee in 2013. He was not a team when they won and, of course, starting shortstop this year. Uh,
0: Mr. Shaughnessy, it's so wonderful to talk with you. If people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that?
11: Yeah, I think it's on Twitter, Dan underscore Shaughnessy, and, you know, just bostonglobe.com. We're all out there writing the sports. Patriots, Celtics, Bruins, Red Sox, you name it, we're doing it. Excellent. Well, we're
0: certainly happy that you did it and happy that you're joining us. Thanks so much once again, Mr. Dan Shaughnessy. <clears throat> We'll look more from the best of baseball on Go Fact Yourself right after this quick break.
9: And I'm James. And together, we are the self-proclaimed wonder twins of podcasting and host Minority Corner. We tackle subjects like LGBTQ topics, pop culture, and untold histories of American POCs, like the true story of escaped slave-turned-pirate-turned-Navy-man-in-the-Civil-War-turned-Congressman-Robert Smalls. Plus, current events from our perspective. Deep-dive movie and TV reviews. You'll also get awesome book recommendations from their neighborhood-friendly librarian. Don't forget my award-winning Jennifer Hudson impressions. And I'm telling you while never taking ourselves too seriously. Minority Corner. Because together, we're the majority every Friday here on Maximum Fun.
0: Welcome back to the best of baseball and GoFact Yourself. I'm Jake Heath Van Stratten. Our final trivia today features Max Fun founder and San Francisco Giants superfan Jesse Thorne. This is one of those great moments where one of our contestants gets to have a great conversation with an expert who is a personal hero of his. By the way, if you're a MaxFun member, you can hear Jesse talk even more about this segment on our special bonus content episode, available right now in your MaxFun bonus content feed. He competed against actor Kelly Hu, and frankly, he didn't have much competition when it came to knowledge of baseball. By the way, Kelly, how much do you know about the San Francisco Giants? Less than zero. I didn't even know that was baseball okay <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, I, don't take this the wrong way. I'm kind of hoping you get one wrong, because I want to see what happens with Kelly. I think I probably will. All right, well, my, my mind is a sieve, J. Keith. Well, let's see Let's see how you do. Here's question number one. Your topic is the San Francisco Giants, but the team did not start out there. Before moving to San Francisco in 1958, where in the East did the Giants play? New York. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course. One point for Jesse. <laughs> or do you want me to say the polo grounds, J. Keith? Mm, only, Only if you want to seem extra... Braggy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, fun fact, which may be illuminating to Kelly especially the National Football League has a team called the Giants that still represents that city even though they actually play their home games in New Jersey. Question number 2 Jesse of the 20 players in baseball's Hall of Fame whose primary team was the Giants who is the only one of them to play for both the New York Giants and the San Francisco Giants. Wow, uh, I guess Willie Mays. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Willie Mays to say hey kid. <laughs> He actually won league MVP in both cities. Very rare feat. You're two for two. Here's question number three. One of the most famous moments in Giants history was a 1989 World Series game that was postponed because of an earthquake. By what name does the U.S. Geological Survey refer to this earthquake? It's a Loma Prieta earthquake. Ellen?
2: That is correct. Three for three, Jesse wow. Thorne. Okay,
5: let's ask more questions about... Profound traumas of my childhood. <laughs> Do you have any further things that remind me of
0: me crying in a heap
5: in a corner of my mom's house?
0: Aww. Question number four, the Giants now play their home games at Oracle Park, which used to be called AT&T Park, which used to be called SBC Park, which used to be called Pacific Bell Park. But before the Giants moved there in 2000, they played in Candlestick Park, which changed its name for a couple years before the Giants left. What was the official full name of the ballpark when the team last played there? 3Com? More information, I think. 3Com... Stadium,
5: (laughs) 3COM ballpark at Candlestick Point. Helen? That is correct. That
0: is correct. We'll give it to you. The actual name is Three Com Park at Candlestick Point. Very, very wow. good. Uh, wow! Wow! The, the naming rights were bought by a company whose name stands for Computer Communication Compatibility. There's the three coms. Candlestick, of course, was still in the official name. The, Jesse. Gi- the Giants, Jake Heath, built
5: that. Here's a fun fact. Please. the Giants built that stadium uh, because they went to the Candlestick Point area, which at the time I think was a state park, and they said, "This is a frozen nightmare. Let's build our stadium here." <laughs> Let's build a bowl where the wind swirls <laughs> exactly. and all of the trash consistently circulates onto the field. I actually have two pins that I earned as a child uh, called Quad de Candlestick. And those Quad de Candlestick pins were given to every fan who uh, attended an extra inning night game at Candlestick Park because the conditions were so brutal. What is that word? Qua? How do you mean? Qua, like, like as, in the cross, as in the cross of Candlestick, like a war medal. Wait, you got a
2: war medal because it was so Cold and windy yeah. at yeah,
5: it the was park? A, it's a little orange man with a Giants logo that has snow falling off of it.
0: <laughs> well, Jesse, thank you for your service. Question number five. You have a chance to go five for five. There are two Hall of Fame pitchers who you probably don't associate with the Giants who spent only their final season as San Francisco Giants. One in 1965 and one in 2009. Name them. So I'm going to say Randy Johnson is the latter day one. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. Yeah, give me that hint, baby. Helen, <laughs> <laughs> Helen how about that first hint? They're both
2: lefties, and one of them is mostly associated with the Braves. Warren Spawn.
5: So again, the answers together are Warren Spawn and Randy
0: Johnson. Helen? That is correct. Jesse Thorne is five wow. for five. Wow. Wow. Didn't you give you a chance to sweep in? I'm sure you knew all of those also, though, Kelly. All of
2: them. Yeah. (laughs) I was so ready.
5: Kelly, yours is going to be Hawaiian food, and uh, I'm going to have a chance to steal. I'm just going to be like, uh, pass the poi. Mahalo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jesse, you've obviously done very well in that category, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. (laughs) We'll be bringing in an expert to assess your response. In addition to being admired for their players, the Giants also have one of the most admired broadcast teams in all of sports with a history of fantastic people calling their games for TV and radio. In fact, three Giants broadcasters, including one who still calls their games, have received the industry's top honor, the Ford Frick Award from Baseball's Hall of Fame. For up to three points, name these three people.
5: John Miller is the one who still calls their games. Lon Simmons
0: is one of them and Russ Hodges alright Helen is taking note of your answers we have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure Helen who do we have tonight here with us
2: tonight via phone from Moss Beach California is a broadcaster whose many accolades include the Ford Frick Award from the Baseball Hall of Fame it's the voice of the Giants John Miller John, Hello. Miller. Hello.
4: <laughs> John are you there can you hear us I'm I'm here and I'm so impressed with uh, Jesse who is obviously a real Giants fan and who has gotten every question <laughs> correct except there was one part that it wasn't a question, and, and Jesse, I'm so sorry to have to uh, to kind of rain on your parade here, uh, but uh, the game that you attended, the postseason game of 2016, was not game six of the league championship uh, series, but rather game four of the National League division series when the Cubs scored four runs in the top of the night they had to come from behind and beat the Giants to eliminate them that year on their way to... Uh, winning the World Series.
5: John, thank you for correcting my anecdote. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently the thing I got wrong is the one thing that actually happened in my actual life. You know, Jakey, yeah. I, I have met John Miller before. Tell us about that. John Miller would have no idea of this, but uh, when I was a teenager, like all hip slash cool teenagers, I was a member of the Society for American Baseball Research, <laughs> or Sabre. Sure. And uh, I would go, just like I would take the bus to the ballpark by myself as an 11-year-old, I would go to their conferences on airplanes by myself as a 16- and 17-year-old. Wow. And, uh, uh, John Miller spoke at one of the Saber conventions, and uh, you know, I, I shook my hand, shook his hand, and uh, told him I admired his work.
4: I, I definitely remember that because I'm sure you were the only one that day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And what's it like, Jesse, to have one of your heroes uh, correct you? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a real thrill, Jakey. <laughs> all right, well, let, John, let's go through some of your uh, your bona fides for our audience here who may or may not be familiar with your work. Uh, now, first of all, it took you a long time to get to the Giants as a broadcaster. You started in 1974 in Oakland. The game, of course, has changed a lot since then. How has calling a game changed since 1974?
4: Well, not a whole lot about it has changed. Uh, the, well, I've changed because I was 22 years old when I got hired to do the Oakland. Oakland Athletics Games in '74, which was very exciting because I grew up just a a little bit south of Oakland. And uh, although I was a great Giants fan because they got to the Bay Area before the Athletics, I became an A's fan too. I was a fan of both teams. And then all of a sudden there I was, they were the best team in baseball at that time. Uh, The year I got there, uh, they won their third consecutive World Series title. It wasn't that I was very well-paid by the uh, uh, rather penurious owner of the Athletics, Charlie Finley. But uh, even then, I was probably overpaid because I should have paid them to to learn all that baseball uh, from that that great team.
0: I was just going to say, so growing up as a Giants fan, what does it mean to you to be the voice of the Giants now for over 20 years?
4: Well, it it was uh, so cool because I... Loved the Giants, and I grew up watching Willie Mays and Willie McCovey and Orlando Cepeda, Juan Marichal, all the great Hall of Famers. Uh, I used to listen to Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons, the great voices of the Giants, and uh, they taught me the game and the Giants history. Uh, Russ Hodges had been the Giants' voice in New York. And was there for one of the most famous games in American sports history—not just baseball history—the uh, the, the Bobby Thompson home run game, sure. the Miracle of Coogan's Bluff at the old Polo Grounds, when the Giants came from thirteen and a half games behind the first-place Dodgers with only forty-four games left in the season, uh, tied them on the last day, and then beat them in the playoff. And in the bottom of the ninth, Bobby Thompson hit a three-run homer. What was
0: his famous call at that moment?
4: The, yeah, the Giants win, win the, the pennant. pennant. The Giants the win the pennant. pennant. The Giants win the pennant. They're going crazy. They're going. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <Yeah. laughs> so it's a famous call.
0: You know, a lot of kids grow up wanting to be baseball players, imagining you know hitting the home run in the in the World Series. Did you dream of calling World Series games or calling the final moment of championships? Yes. Oh wait, well, I'm sorry. Really was that question for John? <laughs> that question was for John Miller. Yes. <laughs>
4: I was just like Jesse and just like a lot of baseball fans as kids. That's what what we want to do. Unlike Jesse and a lot of other young guys uh, who grew up and moved on to uh, adult wishes and and (laughs) careers, I never gave it up and was fortunate enough to actually be able to make my living broadcasting baseball. So I saw my first game in 62, and I sat in the upper deck with my dad, and I could see down into the broadcast booths, the Giants booth, and the other team's booth, and I remember watching the broadcaster of the other team, and he described the pitch, you know, curveball outside, ball one, and then he grabbed a big handful of French fries, <laughs> and he ate like 14 French fries all in, in one bite, and then while he was still chewing on the fries, the next pitch came in, and he didn't miss a beat. He said, there's a curve outside, ball two, and then he grabbed a cup full of whatever, and he took a big pull on that cup, and as a 10-year-old, I sat there and said to myself, that is the life for me.
10: <laughs>
4: what a great
0: story. <laughs> uh, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Jesse. We wanted to know who are the three Giants broadcasters, including one who still calls for the games, who have received the Ford Frick Award from Baseball's Hall of Fame. Helen, what was Jesse's first answer? John Miller. And uh, Mr. Miller? Yes, that's yes. he did. He won it. That's a point for Jesse. What was the second answer that Jesse gave us, Helen? Jesse said Lon Simmons.
4: And Mr. Miller? Lon Simmons, one of the all-time greats. That is absolutely correct.
0: Another point for Jesse. And
4: finally, what was Jesse's last answer?
0: Jesse said Russ Hodges.
2: And
4: Mr. Miller? One of the all-time great voices of the game, Russ Hodges. Absolutely correct.
0: A perfect score. A perfect score for Jesse Thorne. John Miller, it was an honor to have you join us. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful off-season and a great 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, Ford Frick Award winner, John Miller. Thanks so much for listening to this Best of Baseball episode of Go Fact Yourself. And if you want to hear even more, links to the full episodes featured here are in our show notes and archives. Plus, we just had a great conversation with podcaster Jimmy Pardo with another baseball quiz in our last episode. Make sure to check that out. And if you want even more baseball, you may get it in our episode dropping on May 1st with Walter Koenig from Star Trek. Well, Helen's not here today, so I'll tell you this. Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Uman and J. Keith Van Stratton. That's me. And it comes to you via transcription from Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Today's show was produced and edited by Julian Burrell. I've not been Helen Hong! Let's go watch old baseball clips on YouTube.
6: MaximumFun.org.
9: Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.